This episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies is brought to you by Oxner Insurance. You have a plan for your fishing adventure, but do you have a plan for your insurance? Oxner Insurance provides home, life, and auto policies that help protect what matters most. So call Jeremy today at 775-657-6050. That's 775-657-6050. And put a shield around your assets today. All right, welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And today's a little bit different. For one, we actually have a uh, we got a new sponsor, and it's Oxner Insurance, and we'll we'll speak to that here in a little bit more. But we're we're pretty stoked to have uh, Jeremy and his team uh, over at American National Insurance on board. And today is going to be a meeting of the minds. We have uh, Ben King with us as usual, our cultural attaché, an outstanding co-host of the uh, podcast, and we also have our executive operations director and whatnot, Jeff Taylor with us. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Nico and Ben. (laughs) Nice. Great having you. Nice. And Ben, Ben's actually, he's in Reno, just like us, but he's joining us uh, via a Skype call. Uh, So this is, this is new for us. Usually we're sitting at the table together, but uh, Ben, what's, what's going on? Why are you joining us via Skype? Well, I just, um, in a situation like a lot of people, maybe one, one minute today, I had a flight scheduled to San Diego and then the next minute I had to cancel it because my son's COVID test came back positive. Oh, so no. I've got a 14 day, uh, quarantine in one of the most beautiful parts of the world, I think. So yeah, I, yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> A situation I didn't plan, but plan to make the best of. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for making it, Ben. I'm glad to have you here. So so we're gonna do a little something different today. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk around the round table. And again, having a meeting of the minds. And we're gonna talk about the hot topic right now, which is obviously on every uh, local fisherman's mind, and that's Pyramid Lake. And we've uh, Jeff and I and uh, his good buddy Blake have uh, put some hours on pyramid this past week uh, with some with some really really actually really great early season results um, I'm actually pretty pretty stoked on the outcome because that lake has a temper it could be on or off but it <laughs> even in its slow time so far this season it seems to have been on and and Jeff Jeff and Blake came out on top that's for sure and Jeff I think got a he got a personal best out of there. Um, Blake was pulling some nice stuff out, and there's a couple other folks that tagged along. I think it was Ryan, one of Blake's work buddies, caught a just a monster of a fish. And then and then Ben is still he's still a uh, a newbie to pyramid, and that that's okay. We'll we'll get him out there. He's been he's been working his technique for a long time on the Truckee, and and being a, a surfer native, I, I'm sure he can't wait. To get out there but I, I figure we have a round table and 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 let ben kind of pick our brain a little bit and hear a little bit about uh the experiences on pyramid this week so yeah so i'm tell- excited about that I, i've been following you guys closely and you know seeing the pictures and obviously for me uh being relatively um 
spending my time on the Truckee with Pyramid being closed for so long, I'm like everybody else, just excited it's finally open again. Yeah, no, totally. And it, it has, you know, it, there, there's some, you know, new fees out there based off the COVID. You know, it's, it's a higher daily rate. Um, it's been closed for about eight months. Um, so, I mean, the daily rate looks like it's making it a little bit more difficult for people to get out there. The crowds haven't been what they have been in the past, you know, and the fishery seems kind of primed being left alone for so long. But I don't know. What are your what are your well, thoughts on that, Jeff? I mean, good and bad. I think some people will boycott because they're so upset that they can't they don't want to spend the money to go out there. We've taken it for granted for all these years. But at the same time, it's maybe maybe it'll be OK. You know, time for us to appreciate it and spending a little more money makes you do that. And and. I don't know. It's a split. I'm I'm split on it. I'm not sure. I'm a little frustrated at the higher fees, but having good results is, um, I mean, the lake is killer, so it's worth it. I mean, when you look at it, you can make a dump run to the dump and spend 36 bucks and, you know, throw your trash out. So, you know, why not go spend 25 bucks to fish for the day? It's not going to kill you. But when you want to go out and fish and camp and fish, so you got two days fishing and a night camping in the back of your truck's running you over 80 bucks now. Yeah. So that's a little frustrating. But I will say I was just thinking, Ben, for you as a surfer, they're surfing at Pyramid too, and and if you're surfing Tahoe on those special days, Pyramid's got those long, slow sloping beaches like out at South Nets where it's not too common. But after a few days of big wind coming out of the north or some, there's definitely waves. It looks like Doheny Beach or like Dana Point or something. It's crazy. I, you could totally surf it with a longboard. I would and, love to do that. Yeah, I was looking at a map and just looking at the winds um, on this wind tracker app, and I just could tell Pyramid has to break on occasion. Yep, yep. But having that, you know, lack of access, it's just not on the radar. But I'm, I'd, I'd yeah. love to surf Pyramid. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that would go down. Do you have to pay like a fishing permit fee to surf? <laughs> yeah, you totally, you got to pay the day fee. So yeah. no matter what, if you roll out there for the day, but I think the day fee might be a little less, but I don't know what they are now. Maybe 20 know. bucks, but pay the 25 bucks and then you could fish and surf. And if you got a paddle board, I mean, I guess you could fish off of that. But you're now with these bigger fish, I've been fishing it for 14 years out there and it seems like they're getting bigger and bigger everyone's catching bigger ones and now everyone's carrying big old nets and you're you know you're really you catch a big one and you're not going to land it on a while you're on a paddleboard <laughs> i guess i don't know we're way off topic here but definitely not going to happen on a uh, on a paddleboard it'd probably tow you around if you catch a big one oh yeah i've i've seen i've been I I could only imagine it would tell you. It would be it'd probably take the board down under the water and <laughs> well back up like a jaw scene. <laughs> I don't know about that, but definitely in my mind it would. But I think yeah, reality I don't know. Um, I'd say right, you know, you can. It seems like everything that kind of that pocket limit they got out there, the seventeen to twenty one. 
inch. We used to always catch them in that pocket limit. So I don't know what that's like, four, five, six pounds. Yeah. And um, you still are catching some of those. But like this last week for me, even though it was really slow, it was my biggest fish ever at I haven't caught any of the big ones, but two at about eight pounds. And then I'm claiming one at 14 pounds, Nico. And wow. I, here's how, the way it works for me. I claim them even if I don't land them. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my deal. And, you know, say what you will. But in my mind, I caught it. So I had it up, flopped out of the net. Even if I get to the point where I see it, I, I assign a number to it. And that's my fish. I caught it. So... Yeah. Yeah, you got you got it to your you got it to your feet, you know. Yeah, to the net. Yeah, that's that's a lot further than a break off almost at the net. You're right, right. And depending on if I'm doing, you know, if I'm doing poorly, I might claim one that just broke off too. But if I'm having a a good day, I mean, this is my own internal. I, I just love catching them and having them just take line out and getting them on the hook. So if I lose them, I'm not super disappointed anymore. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like everybody's like, we kind of have this thing like where we take pictures of everything, which I, yeah. I definitely want to take a picture of every fish I catch, but I just got to get over it. If I can't take the picture of yeah. it, I just got to get over it. You know, I, yeah. in my, I still caught it. So maybe you got off, but it's a catch for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's the best mentality. Nico and I were out fly fishing the trucky way out and we ran into somebody and we were in an area that was just full of sticks. And I think that person got snagged and they were kind of lamenting. And I said, Hey, if it wasn't for snags, I'd have half I'd have like a tenth of the thrills I have out here. <laughs> Even that moment of a snag where you still don't know, you still have that that tug feeling. There you go. I get yeah. you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, ben, you can be yeah. happier out there. Yeah, ben, yeah. Ben's Ben's one of the happiest fishermen, if not like you two are probably the happiest fishermen I've ever seen. Like Ben has this knack for it could be the worst day ever, and he might throw a dang it out of his mouth, but that's a fraction of the rest of the time. He'll just be like, you know, <laughs> today kind of sucks, but it's so beautiful out here. It's beautiful. Nice. So he, he captures it. Ben captures it, and, and Jeff, like that. Jeff does the same, Ben. He, he'll he capture it, and, you know, it, he'll, he'll just be enjoying just being out there. You know, like you said, he can make a trip to the dump, or he could stare at the lake. <laughs> Probably take staring at the lake. Yeah, I mean, I've got nothing against the cement basketball court, but with fly fishing, no matter what happens, no matter what your game is, you're out there in nature, you know? You're surrounded by the the water, the air, in our case, mountains, you know? It's just, it's always an incredible experience, um, no matter how many fish you caught. But when you get that, you know, monster from the deep, that's just, next level totally and we, we we wanted to talk about we brought out some um a new line of rods from loop because you know loops are our partner in in crime over here and and we've got we had what we had our loop uh, evo tech we just got some evo techs in and seven weight for pyramid and we had our opti next in the seven weight and then we brought the mama jam out 
And that was fun to sling out there. It was pretty amazing. We put it in Blake's hands. We were just that was your Corbina rod. Yeah, the Corbina rod. Right. The, the thirteen yeah. foot eight weight, which I would have never. I was a little hesitant to be honest, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's funny. What was your comment, Jeff? After you're leaving, you're putting the spay rod away. You're kind of like. You're saying, I think oh, this is going to be my rod of choice for what I've been yeah. looking into. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got this one fish that just, I don't know if it was foul hooked or not, maybe towards the head or in the in a fin or something, but it went straight out to sea. It wasn't like off to the side or swirling or going down. It just went straight out. I've never, ever had it happen. It was the biggest freshwater fish i've ever had on and it just went all the way out into the backing just kept going into the backing it got into the drag and i was so excited and it was you know like 32 degrees and we're slipping around on the rocks when i set the hook i thought i had a rock on i mean i've never that it was the best experience on one fish that's the one that kind of flopped out of the net I'm claiming it because it was the best, but I didn't land it, didn't get a picture, but it was like nothing else. And so having those big rods is killer. And you see people out there now fishing with like we used to do, like, you know, five, six or seven or eight weights, but the little nine footers, it's like you're just casting your arm off. Yeah, I was watching, I was watching folks out there and, you know, they're. You know, they're they're casting, you know, false casting, false casting, trying to get reach, you know, out there. And, you know, and, and here's Jeff and I and Blake sitting there with switch rods and we're just flicking them. I mean, we just lift up the tip and flick it back out. And, you know, we're we're making the distance out there, you know, with with almost no effort. I mean, yeah, yeah it, I it's ridiculous. The difference where you just kind of like lop it out there and you're barely even casting and it's just going and going and going it's just pretty cool yeah i put ben on the six weight remember we went to that little pool on the truckie and i took his i took his nine foot and i'll ben play around with this and it was like 10 15 minutes it was like a kid in a candy store ben's just like oh my gosh uh, i could reach there like because oh. he was saying he was struggling trying to reach the right. of the river and he was sitting there he was just he, he got it down and he was just reaching out there and he's just like yeah, what? So what is the switch in 11? Those are all 11s, right? Yeah, those are all 11s. And then the the Corbina rod, as I'm calling it, the uh, the spay rod, what's that, 13 and a half? A thir- yeah, 13.6, 13.6 with the spay line on yeah. it. Yeah. And it's got the different heads on there. We were running the sinking head out at um, Pyramid because we were using that to um, run streamers. So, and that thing was doubling the cast oh, from the yeah. switch rod. It was, and then... Blake, Blake, Blake was overhead casting that thing, which we were talking about. We had to put like banners behind us on the beach because he has that trailer more than a hundred feet behind the shoreline, <laughs> and we could have swore if if anybody on that back cast, he would have broke his window. I mean, yeah, I don't think they're <laughs> built for back casting, but no, he could not. do it. No, but he, yeah. they're not. But he made it happen, and he was just launching it, and you know, and we were roll casting it considerably far you know much farther than our switch rods you know but no it was a great it was a great rod and you know we're excited to get back out there more and stuff but yeah that that was a blast but um what are some of the other catches you had out there jeff and what what was working best for you well some of those those pocket limit fish you know out there it's a pocket limit i think it's 17 to 21 don't quote me read the regs but you can keep two or one over 24 never keep any but still that's kind of it's you know 
you'd, you'd normally you'd pick up a few of those, and that's what we got. We got a handful of those, like, I don't know, five-pounders, range six-pounders. Yeah. And we've, I've always been midget, you know, midge fisher. And uh, so basically it's bobber fishing, which is right. killer. You know, I love it. You just stare at the bobber, and it's a little – it's not the same as the river. I know it's tough for the river guys to get over, like, staring at a bobber. But uh, what what we're running now is, like, a midge – part way down and then uh, a balanced leech below that so right and and you want to be you know right off the bottom but that leech is almost hitting the bottom um so it's kind of a blend either guys are stripping or they're you know midge fishing and i don't know all the terms for it but um i, I think now i don't know it's kind of combined to me with that leech on the bottom is really close yeah. to like stripping because it's a bigger bug right on the sand and then you got the midge about you know two feet up from that and and we caught some on the top fly too so yeah the first day we went out there for a, a preview so jeff and i went out there and we were just fishing midges so we had two midges you know in line you know one as an anchor midge and one above it and um and it really wasn't much going on and what what did i do remember i went out and i said i'm calling the big larry which yeah. is the balance leaf so i put the big larry on that's what killed them all. That's a, yeah. The we, last eight days, I, you know, we went out. We've been off and on out there. That was the number one. Well, it was the craziest but. thing because I got it off a hunch because normally I wouldn't run a streamer type um, a fly, you know, under under an indicator like in still water. It just, you know, but we went with it and it was within three casts that that's when I landed my first one. Yeah. And then the second one hit on a midge, one hit on a midge for you. And then from that, but like from that point on, it was the midge was a um, like a non-factor. It was just there for like a it was a confidence fly. Like have to have the midge on. Yeah, but we we caught him on you, that too, though. Yeah. I did. I I got. I didn't. I yeah. think. Well, I caught at least one on the top fly, and then uh, Blake caught a few on the top fly too. Yeah. So, and then you know at the end, uh, early in the morning. Uh, he was they were hitting his uh strike indicator or the, oh, the bobber right. yeah and uh, a few years ago he caught it on the indicator the whole the thing swallowed the indicator he ripped <laughs> it through his mouth and then hooked it up on that top fly so yeah they're just i think when they're in they'd hit a bear hook that's my yeah, theory they're, they're hungry and they're aggressive it's it's crazy but that's the whole thing you just got to wait for them to come in it's not it's not like river fishing you know it's it's you're not searching them out you know, they're waiting for them. Yeah, they're 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 constantly moving in that in that watershed, and, and it's a game of patience. Definitely, that's patience. the hardest thing to get over for the river fishermen like you, Ben. You you know, you're moving along and having fun and looking at angles and learning all the little rifts of the of the river. And out there, you're just it's a different head game. You're just well. <laughs> you're not, I yeah. was going to say, when did you start fishing the pyramid and, you know, what are your favorite places to fish? Well, so my my history was growing up in Bishop, so I kind of fished the Owens River and, and just did a lot of that classic fly fishing. Moved up to Seattle and I was getting more into trying to catch the, the salmon on the uh, and the steelhead on the fly rod. Never did great. And I was flying down and working in Reno. And my buddy was going out to Pyramid. So about 14 years ago, I kind of started going to Pyramid off and on. And then I just got got hooked on it and and then kind of 
slacked off for a while in the middle and I'm back onto it again. Uh, so I guess that pyramids, one of my, my tops locally. And then I fish down in the Eastern Sierra, you know, down towards Bridgeport and Bishop and all the, the smaller stuff. I love the stream fishing. Um, I've done, you know, the Montana, Wyoming hit, you know, done like Costa Rica and Alaska and just been all over the place fishing. Um, uh, you know, South uh, Colorado, I fished down there on the headwaters of the Rio Grande. And and I think what we have here in, in like Northern Cal and, and Northern Nevada is rival to almost any of it. Um, you know, obviously, like some of the stuff up in Alaska, some of those big rainbows that are feeding underneath the spawning salmon are just amazing. But you can catch that same quality fish out of Pyramid. You're not in that running water um, it doesn't have that same river challenge, but it's just gorgeous. It's big. It's so I'm going with, uh, I'm going with, uh, South of Reno for the Eastern Sierra, uh, down there through Crowley and, and Bishop and Mammoth and Bridgeport. And then, uh, I don't know Truckee well yet. I haven't had a lot of luck on the Truckee, to be honest with you. I love the beauty of it, but I, I just haven't figured it out. And then and then Pyramid, I guess, would be my kind of my go-to currently. So uh, that's, that's what I, I'm I rolled I rolled Jeff this year into the Truckee, and it's been it's been a tough go just because it's been it's well you know it's been hammered. Yeah, it's a Truckee. It's been hammered, and it's just it's it's an on-off thing, and it's just one person could have a great day, and it's if you're seen. not the, at the right place at the right time. It's just it's off, you know. It's 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 either on or off. But you know, like you and I have had some spectacular days on there. I've pulled some some nice nice fish out of there. I so mean, yeah, so. Ben being the trucky guy, because I've seen stuff that you and Nico have caught, and it's amazing to me. I get pretty frustrated and angry at you guys. Uh, <laughs> but what do you think now with um, with those ladders opening up? out of the the dam letting those pyramid fish up into the truckie you think uh have you gotten into any of that or what's the talk on that are we allowed yeah. to talk about it <laughs> no, we're it's it's exciting you know it's funny because we were um talking about fly fishing and it being more than just the sport itself but it's like you're connected to history having that those ladders open now and having those giant fish spawn like they used to, it's just exciting to know there's like monsters in the water now in the Truckee. When, when am I going to land one or where or how is still up in the air. But it also made me think of Pyramid, the source to where they're coming from. And, yeah. you know, it, it being the ancient sea that it was and, um, I just I'm excited about it. I think it adds a whole new element to the Truckee River to know that now, you know, what are these guys going to do in the water here? Are they going to, you know, eat all the smaller fish? I hope not. <laughs> but um, it's exciting to me. It's a thrill. It, it is. And I think, you know, that that they have been cut off since 1905, you know, and, and before that, there's there's records of. You know, the population of the Lahat and cutthroat trout disappearing from the upper sections of the river. You know, they disappeared from Tahoe, uh, the Verdi section. They hadn't seen any for a while. They put that dam in and 
it, it ceased all actions, you know. And then over the course of time, as you know, Pyramid got fished out of of the Pilot Peak strain or the native strain in the 30s, the early 40s. So basically what I'm getting at is it's super exciting that this is back open. It's super exciting they'll be able to run up. I know there's mixed opinions on it out there. But my 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 basic take on it is hey, it, it you can't be too upset about it. You can't be too concerned about the current fishery because that well, that current fishery is in place because we screwed up the prior fishery. You know, um our prior civilization, our our settlers in Reno and the surrounding area trashed that river in a nutshell. And that and, and you can look at the history of that. That's actually buried in our website on bearfishalliance.com. If you go under uh there's a history and a fish species section, then there's a link to an actual um chronological history of the Truckee River that's actually really fascinating to read. It's a great historical read and it has every documented legislative action on the river. Uh, all the way up to the to earlier to late nineties. So you learn a lot from that, but yeah, I'm excited about it, but you know, Hey, when are they going to hit that fish gate? I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, it's probably be around spawn time. I'm sure there's a few stragglers that are going to make their way through there, you know, but once those pilot peaks figure out, Oh, I can go back up this river. Cause you know, that's genetically implanted, you know, just like any salmonoid, they're like, they're going to have that need to go. Oh, the summit's going to do it too. Maybe. I don't know. Because those yeah. summits, those summits came out of Walker. Those, so those summits came in, as far as I understand. Yeah, I, I could be wrong on this, but as far as I understand, when that that native population was depleted out of Pyramid, it was replenished with the summit strain or the strain out of uh, Walker, which Walker is an Hawthorne, lake, which right, is now yeah. a dead lake, right? You know, so um, it, it'd be interesting to see. Maybe you know, maybe they'll follow in tandem or something, but. Um, We'll, we'll see what happens. But regardless, it's exciting. And I, I just can't imagine. I'm, I'm, I am I'm always laugh in the back of my head because we have the, the Euro fishing fad on the river. I'm not a fan. Everyone knows that. <laughs> if you're doing it, more power to you, but just not a fan. But it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be hilarious <laughs> when that happens, when, a you know, some guy on his three weight hooks into even even a pocket size right. pilot. If he gets into a 21 inch pilot, you're done for done. <laughs> You're done because, I mean, even those pocket size guys on a seven weight make some runs and some dives that make you wonder. You're like, dude, what's on the end of this? And you net it and you're like, oh, well, I'm happy <laughs> with it. But, man, dude, that thing felt like a tugboat. Right. You know, so I'm like, you know, so now you can imagine like what you caught, Jeff. Like so and Ben, think about think about an eight pound. Think about an eight pound trout, how big that is. Like that's my biggest fish out of the Truckee River is an eight pound brown. And I was lucky enough for that to be in a stillwater section. I was on a four weight by myself, and that took a while <laughs> to get in. You know, I was just like, well, that was a lot of work. Now imagine, now imagine that in the regular current on the Truckee, if you're somewhere downtown, because that's their old spawning ground, is downtown. And, you know, what if you hook into a 12-pounder or 14-pounder? I mean, you got to have, you have to have the mechanism one, the mechanism to bring that fish in because now you're not only fighting the fish you're fighting the current you know and if you're on foot you might be screwed you might be screwed unless oh, you're, you're screwed unless you Either have like way. a unless unless you have like a spay <laughs> rod or something you got a lot of run yeah. you still might be screwed so it's like now you got to figure out well where am i going to fish for this do i have room to run should i be in a boat and if i'm in a boat can i handle this because no. a fish that big is going to yank you and you're, i'm going to just fish with a horse saddle and just throw it on it 
and bullride it. And well, try it that way. Totally. It's like going back to the old days. I was watching on Netflix the the Crown, you know, and they're and it's the uh, the royal family and they're out fishing with their spay rods and they got these huge rods and I always used to think like that's so lame, you know. We got yeah. these little <laughs> micro spinning rods and little like you know our three and five weight stream rods, and now we're fishing with spay rods out there. So yeah. maybe yeah. we're just. You know, bring the saddle and the spray rod. <laughs> well, I mean, I and, and I saw the light. And I think Ben's seen the light. I think we all have. I mean, just, you know, like we've had the prodigy on the show. And, uh, you know, Taylor's known for, he loves going out there at the switch. His his all-around rod is a six-weight, uh, like 11-foot switch. And he'll use that for everything. At Pyramid, too. He'll bring it to Pyramid. You know, <laughs> it's nuts, but no, but yeah. he knows how to handle it. And he's got this custom built rod. I believe his dad made it. It's, it's got, it's got some power to it, but you know, Ben seeing him in action, the tailor will sit there and just levitate these, these massive fish out of the truckie. But, you know, I, I, when I first met him and started fishing with him, I'm like, dude, this guy's gear is too big. You know, I'm over there with my three weight and four weight you know, in cool guy mode. And I'm just like, but then I had some reality checks, you know, where you get a big fish and it runs and there's nothing you can do about it. You're like, Oh, I got a Brown. And he starts running up river and he makes a run back down river. And you're like, I'm out of control. Gone. You know, it, you know, a giant one. It just broke off and it wasn't even close. I never even had it. I felt a giant tug and bam, it broke right off. And I just thought to myself, what am I doing here? I want to go for broke. I want a Boy Scout motto, be prepared. And I yeah. think that's now kind of like the, you know, in the 90s with those little mini Nokia cell phones that were as big as a fingernail and now they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I wonder... I think my right. own mentality is going like that direction. Well, you got to be prepared. That's the thing. Like that's that's what's been surprising to me this year because I went out to Pyramid a few weeks ago and they opened and I thought, you know, I'm just going out. I got enough. I got enough backing. I got enough uh, heavy line. I'd use like a 12 pound test on the leader, and I wouldn't do enough. You know, I wouldn't really worry about my knots that much, and and. Uh, I, I'm I'm done doing that. I'm going to 20 pound test and tying bomber bomber knots every time because you lose one of those and it's like, I, well, that's all it takes. You're, yeah. I'm moving up. I'm gearing up now. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it makes sense. And, and I think I think what you have to prepare yourself for is any any body of water, whether it's pyramid, trucky, or anywhere else. It's you have you you can look at the gear you have and what other people are using and what's popular, and you can go with that. Or you can think about it in terms of, number one, what's in here? What can I catch? What do I want to catch? Right. You know, and like you said, hey, like Pyramid, you're like, hey, people are starting to pull out on the regular 10-pound-plus fish. Right. You know, 8, 10, 12, 14 um, and, and, and bigger, but every week there's a couple twenties coming at 25s, you know, I think, well, this year so far, it's only been open for a couple of weeks. What, what were that? They're like at 23 right now. And, and they'll beat that, you know, through the season, they're getting at least, you know, that's just reported to the little lodge. There's people getting those and letting them go. But every week there's stuff at that 
20 to 25 range. And yeah. I think last year there was somebody pushing 30. I don't know. I don't know all the stats, but that's a big fish. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think I, I think they're getting up into over 32 in a, some recent past season. So there's there's big ones out there. And so, yeah, so you have to prepare yourself for that. And, and I think that puts you in the best case scenario. And, you know, I think the sacrifice you make is if you catch a smaller fish, you're kind of like, well, oh, well, my rod's barely bending, but. <laughs> whatever they're not shy of the gear yeah yeah and it's pyramid yeah you're right i mean we're using we're just using monofilament matter of fact even at, was it with you or was it with blake i don't know what it was but i was tying a i was tying on the big larry and i think the first run i did i put some 10 pound on there and i'm like man this is enough and luckily it was for what i caught but after that after i caught that decent fish um i'm like huh and then we bumped it up to like i put like 14 or 15 pound on you know, just no shame, just like, and no difference in results. I mean, yeah. went out and they caught a fish. I'm just like, they don't care about the line. So Jeff's right. You can go up. You could put 20 pound on there. And yeah. Who cares? I think you got to do that now. Yeah. And this year's definitely, I'd be, you know, and even that lower section of the truckie, if you're going to fish it, there's a chance you get one of those big ones. You might as well just gear up 15 or 20 pound test and. And, and hope for the best. In the pyramid, they can very well be in the trucky coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I saw an no, Instagram photo of uh, Travis Hawks with Endow, and he had found a giant, giant brown trout when they were doing their fish sampling. And the reality is, those are in the trucky. It's they are. It's in a kind of a new world. And, yeah. And that's the thing. I think that's why there, there's a couple of guides out there. That, that do really well um, on that lower section. It's just because they're they're so tuned into those bigger fish. They fish it differently, in my opinion, and then they would, you know, different sections of the trucky because, like you and I, Ben, like what we throw in Bird Eye and Mogul, like we bring that down to the far eastern section. I don't even think the fish see that. Like they're just like, oh, yeah, no thanks. Like you have to put like a presentable meal in front of them. Like they're just so big. They're not they're not going to waste their time. They're like, "Oh, I can have the Jolly Rancher or you can have the T-bone steak." And they're going to go <laughs> for the T-bone steak every time, you know. It's funny so. cuz I, I was thinking about when you talked about the meals how, you know, our have, have us being lucky enough to have Jeff on and and being a a broker of, of many things, food included. I just co was interested in finding out about your, your food preferences, specifically <laughs> burritos. Well, you know, it's funny because you guys definitely, you guys definitely uh, have that coming together. We're talking about fishing and food. I love that. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go with semi burrito but the latest uh thing I'm, I'm going after is this border ranch lamb which we've been selling a bunch of yeah and um, make just taking that uh, sourdough starter that people are doing everyone's like baking at home or doing all these little like you know dutch oven yeah so so check it out you take just the starter only and you spread it across the bottom of like a cast iron pan and you make flatbreads like the for the euros. So you just take that starter only. You don't have to make the bread, knead it and do all that. You just spread it across a cast iron pan and make a nice flatbread and put a bunch of the 
ham in there with some tzatziki sauce, maybe some vegetables. And so that's our latest out on the river is the the lamb gyros. And I think it's kind of like a burrito. Well, and- tell 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 Ben a little bit more about the board. I've explained to him a okay. little bit about the significance of why and like, you know, yeah. what would they do for the area? Well, like- well the, the Basque have been sheep herding in this area for a long time, all the way up the Eastern Sierra and into Northern Nevada and Idaho. And, you know, they're down in Bakersfield. And so we got this cool history of Basque uh, culture that came over probably you know, mid 1800s to late 1800s, turn of the century. And there, there's one of the guys' family still out there, Ted Borda, and he's got like 3,000 head of lambs out there. And he, they're just beautiful. They're just very mild, not real gamey. And he's taking them, a few of them to slaughter every week. And and uh, then we're taking them to the butcher shop and cutting them or, or selling them whole. And they're just a nice, nice, uh, nice lamb. Yeah, and they have they have a cool. The other cool local flair about them is the, the way that these lamb play on sustainability, and, and I think it actually plays into our watersheds as well. So it's kind of cool how this folds in because the, the range areas. So uh, these border lamb will range over different lands, over BLM lands, over U.S. Forest Service lands. Um, they help with wildfire. Uh, control because they're eating all that undergrowth and and the stuff that normally would just overgrow and catch fire. So they're utilizing these sheep as a um, as a steward of the land. So not only are you eating something, you're literally eating something local. I mean, it's not getting imported feed or feed from out of the area. It's eating off the foothills and the valleys of the lands that we see. I mean, anywhere from like the Washoe Valley all the way down to Bridgeport to the east and to the west. You know. Um, you know, over at, at Levitt Meadows, Pickle Meadows. Um, yeah, and Ted, it's, Ted's family does a great job with them. Gunner, Gunner does a great job, yeah. you know, with, with, with them. And he developed a finish form that gives them a really nice mild flavor. So it's, a, it's an awesome lamb. And, and so Jeff's recommendation of that being on a quasi burrito, <laughs> we'll let that slide. Um, <laughs> uh, it's phenomenal. Well, we can make a lamb burrito. You too. can make fact, a lamb That's burrito. what I'm having for dinner tonight. I've already made them, and I've got them in the freezer. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna deep fry them like chimichangas. So oh my god! I, I've already got them with oh the cheese god. and everything built up. I've got the whole the whole full size deep fryer in the backyard. So to people who don't own a deep fryer, go big, just like pyramid. <laughs> Put one in the backyard. <laughs> hey, I know you guys are wrapping it up since I'm talking right now. Ben, I want to say thank you for hooking me up with those um, sand crab flies from the San Diego Fly Shop. Is that where you got those? Oh, you know what? That or, actually wasn't me. That was Jeremy. Oh, was it? That was Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was you. Because you're the, when I see you, I think of the Corbina know, because you're down in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, uh, I will, but. Um, yeah, that that, okay. that that wasn't mine. Well, if we can talk, you know, burritos and and fly fishing again, and and I get to be included, I definitely want to talk about the Corbina because they're kind of in that size range, maybe not as and the salmon, but they are, and they can be there. So that's that that same size range for these big old rods we're using in heavy gear, and and I want to talk. Yeah. About yeah, no, totally. Hey, hey, Ben, I wanted to ask you something though. Yeah, what? 
Big long pause. <laughs> hey, I know, I know, I know, I, I know. I was gonna say you always have always about moto fishing. So I was gonna say you always have a plan for fishing, right? Yes. Be prepared. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. We'll just have a plan for your insurance. No, I don't. You don't. <laughs> well, Ben, look, hey, it only takes a minute figure out how to get some information for your insurance plan <laughs> look at the smile on his face it's oh hilarious <laughs> you better tell him what to do well i do have to tell him what to do hey look i just simply look oxner insurance offers home and auto insurance and that helps protect what matters most so if you want to add a personalized life policy or you just want to be prepared for the unexpected ben and not the unexpected of the breakoffs we're talking about real life life things ben so no insurance for the lost fish, but everything else. You're getting this? All right. I am. So if you, I'm on board. Great. Great. Well, you can call Jeremy at Oxner Insurance at 775-657-6050 to see how easy it is. And by the way, Oxner Insurance is a very proud sponsor of the Bearfish Alliance and the Burritos, Breaks, and Flies podcast. So we're glad to have them on board. So that's, again, that's Oxner Insurance. What? What's that? I just wanted to add about yeah. Jeremy specifically. Yeah. He, he's an incredible person. Yeah. No, he really is. And he, he, he's an outstanding outdoorsman, um, great fisherman, great hunter. Um, and uh, he looks out for the best for everybody. So I, thank you for everybody for playing along with that impromptu commercial. But we're, we're super well, stoked. Now can Jeremy I say thank you to Jeremy? It's not your turn yet. Hold on. So, <laughs> <It's always laughs> go ahead. Well, I want to say thank you to somebody for those beautiful, beautiful <laughs> sand crab flies. And Jeremy, since it's you, I'm definitely appreciative. So he can hook you up with flies and insurance. And right. thank you for sponsoring Bearfish Alliance. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Um. So with that being said, um, Jeff, thanks for taking the time to chat with us a little bit about Pyramid. I think we should do this again. I think as the season progresses, we'll, we'll try to throw some of these roundtables in. Um, we, we do have a great lineup of guests, but I thought it'd be, this would be a great opportunity to get the whole crew together. You know, we've been, we've been working with um, this bearfish concept for a little while, and um, – I'm super grateful and appreciative to have Ben and Jeff helping out. Um, it, it's a long, hard endeavor, and it's grown. Ben Ben was there from the infancy, and uh, and and Jeff hopped on board, so we all play our role over there. So, thanks again, guys, for for being a part of it. So we'll we'll do this again. We'll talk about pyramid a little bit more, and I'm I'm looking forward to hear when Ben gets down to San Diego. We got to get him in that surf line, and yeah, just. Just whatever happens, chuck something to the surf and see what happens. Cause when I'm it's... sitting in the lineup now on my surfboard between sets, uh -huh. I look so hard at the water. I'm looking <laughs> for what's down there under me. I never used to do that. I, I, it's weird to have two different desires at the same time. Right. Or I used to only have one. <laughs> well, wait, what about the burritos? Let's not forget. <laughs> yes. I, I think oh. you guys have a killer concept. 
and thank you for having me on it. Yeah. Definitely super fun. I'm a little nervous about being on the podcast, but you guys are funny and it's cool. No, I well, love it, it. we're super stoked you're on. Well, you know, I think the cool thing that, you know what, that that's something that we've been trying to separate ourselves a little bit from, you know, getting into the guide business and everything. We're, we're, we're dabbling in it and Jeff's experience in the food world. I got a little bit. Jeff's got a lot. The things that, we could bring to the client base with the food that we put in front of them, or even if it's not, um, yeah, a trip client, you know, we're just going out and exploring or, or whatever the things, the things that are brought out to the field. I, I feel like a lot of it's a first time thing. Like you bring some high end stuff out and it, and it really changes things just like, and he, he does some shifting on the fly. Like just one quick example, like the sandwich on the fly, we're supposed to have those sausage sandwiches out when we did that trip on the upper Owens and we're like, Oh, we left the chorizo sausages in the refrigerator, but he, what'd you improvise with? Oh, we had the uh, tri tip with chimichurri on the grilled, uh, grilled hoagie rolls, the grilled hoagie rolls. Yeah. With, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. And when you did the, in, in the induja too, right? The, uh, oh, the induja from Liberty food and wine exchange, yeah. the spreadable salami. It's like a spreadable chorizo salami, some yeah. old school, really cool stuff that actually Nico brought out. But I think that's part of it. I definitely love how you guys incorporate the yeah. burritos and the fishing and Ben with the surfing. If I could only surf, I just, I, I'd, I'd be more of a well-rounded person. You know what? <laughs> but, I, it's of all, it's for all ages. And if you could read currents and fly fish, your surfing is calling. It's calling you, Jeff. Nice. Well, I'm working on uh, lucid dreaming, so soon I will be able to surf in my dreams. Oh. And uh, it's it's the same as reality. So. Uh, soon I'll be able to do that. Maybe you give me some pointers. Well, it's funny because when you surf for real, in a way, you are in your dreams. Because one time I had surfed and I caught literally the wave of the day on this crowded surf spot. And I went to Surfline, which replaced. And I'm like, I got to see this wave that I caught. And first of all, the camera is about 3,000 feet from the actual wave, so that's already a disappointment. But from what <laughs> I saw in my mind versus what I saw on the camera, let's just say it was humbling. <laughs> so hey. a, little bit, a little bit of it stays in your dreams. Right on. Well, that's right. It's like counting fish that you didn't land. I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Yeah. I had the fun and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, you can make that a rule of thumb. If you get them in the net or you get them to your feet, you know, I don't know. I get what you're saying, though. <laughs> you see it, you get it close to you. You're yeah. like, you're like, well, it's done. Yeah. It's already done. It, it, <laughs> even catching that snag, like you said, for an instant, yeah. it feels like a fish. So even yeah. that's a little exciting. Yeah. Hey, and it's that's all good. Yeah, and that that's the ultimate release too. You're never having to pull him out of the water. Right. He's good to go. Don't He's have good to, to go. Don't have to keep him or clean him or eat him either. So. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway. Right. Well, uh, well, awesome. Thanks guys for for taking the time to do the podcast today and um yeah you guys got anything to add thanks for having me all right keep keep enjoying that river by you and the lakes by you and being a part of the outdoors awesome 
All right. Hey, well, that wraps it up for this episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode for you. Have a good one in tight lines. Mm-hmm.